0: Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. I am half of the team at Lighthouse Educator Development, and this is our podcast that is uh, the continuation of a conversation we've been having as educators over the last six years. And what we hope to do with this show and what we hope you'll get out of it is that you'll hear real stories from real teachers about what's really going on in the classroom. And we hope with those stories that you're inspired, you hear things that you can take and you can use, but more than anything, you realize that you're not alone in this profession, and that above everything else, this is the most important profession on the planet. We do more for this country and this world than any other profession combined, and we hope you take that knowledge and the knowledge that our guests give you through this podcast, and you improve your teaching craft and the craft of those around you. So, stick around. What's to come is another episode of the LED Project Podcast. If you want to connect with us, you can do that by finding us on Instagram. We are at value adds value, as well as at its.will.law.iii. You can also find us on Facebook as Lighthouse Educator Development. And we are also on YouTube as Lighthouse Educator Development. And before the podcast starts, we'd love it if you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. So we hope you enjoy this episode of the LED Project Podcast. Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. i am got to say I'm pretty stoked. Uh, this is a guy I've been following for a while on the on the Instagrams. we got Hal Bowman on the podcast today. Hal, what's good, my friend? I'll tell you what,
1: dude. My Instagram game is pretty weak. I'm going to tell you that right now because my Facebook game is is way on like i am on i'm on point brother mm-hmm. and it's, i had that crazy um viral video i had this a viral video that got like 26 million views it was me um in the backyard of my <laughs> house yelling at some late like online like there's a there's a story of this woman that cut through the 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 school drop-off line in Fort Bend County and uh, she's like trying to get to the high school and she's trying to go past the cones and bypass all the the crossing guards and teachers and and a a teacher ended up on her hood of her car like trying to stop her before she she, like hit a bunch of kids and she went on the news complaining about the teacher and then like the news did a story about the teacher how like how crazy is you know so I had to defend the teacher so I got in the backyard and yelled about the lady (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like it went crazy overnight, like millions of views. And since then, dude, the Facebook thing has been out of control and I kind of forgot about the gram.
0: Dude, but it's, but just coming back to that, like the whole premise, like I'm proud that you got that attention because you're a good dude and like you deserve it. But like the happenstance yep. of, of the things that happen, and we were talking about this a little bit prior to, to hitting record that some lady is putting kids in danger. And then she decides that the teacher that tried to stop her is the problem. Yep. And then from there you go on and you just tell like it is. I lambaster. And
1: I felt, here's the funny thing, dude. I felt horrible about it. And like, I don't mention her name anymore. And um, I don't, I don't, I don't say where, cause like it, the, it just got so nasty. Like people were like in the comment section on after 26 million views and 500,000 comments or whatever it's at. You know, there's some horrible stuff in there. And so, like, I felt really horrible the first, like, oh, my gosh, I, I shouldn't have done it. And I was talking to the kid, Coach Young, who was on the car. And he's like, yeah, I kind of feel bad for her too. But he's like, dude, this wasn't your fault. She started. I said, no, dude, like, I, I poured gas on the fire. And then we are talking about how bad we felt. And then she went on another news station and did it again and told the same story. And um, and he, he sent me the link. I was like, dude, I don't feel bad at over
0: oh all right let's let's not go let's not go that direction because we could just right go there so (laughs) let's um to get everybody started for those people that might not know you let's hear a little bit of your backstory and and the happenstance of how you became a teacher
1: yeah man um for sure you know there's um there's a lot to it you know just like anybody i had those teachers in my life that played this like phenomenal role and there was like a part of me that like, I wanted to be that person. Like, I mean, of course, you're growing up, you know, you know, primary school and middle school, you don't know the, what those emotions are that, but I wanted to be the, the type of influential person that made people feel the way that my teachers made me feel. And I wanted that too. And then, and then, you know, through middle school and, and uh, there was a big move in my family and then to another state and that things got really, uh, real hard for me and challenging. And then, um, you know, I went to college and I, and here's where I think the story changes for most people is I went to college to be a band director and I became a band director and uh, pretty quickly I was pretty successful went, went to really competitive programs and you've been in Texas so you know like band gets crazy competitive mm-hmm. and um, it, I just had that moment where I was like, man, I, like this isn't for me. Like, I did, I love the teaching part. I just didn't like the band boosters. I didn't like, you know, summer camp. And I didn't like, you know, uniforms and bus trips. And I just love the kid teaching part. But there's so little of that. So what brought me into teaching was band. But the reason I stayed is because I got out of band and I taught a bunch of other stuff where it was just me and kids.
0: What did you teach after you were done being a band director? All right. So my plan was, let me just get
1: in a classroom and I'll look through, because, you know, like in Texas at that time, I don't know if it's still true. But if you have one exit test passed, like in a degree, you just have to pass another test. You can teach that. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to have any hours. And I had zero hours in sciences because um, I was a music major, man. <laughs> so, But I thought to myself, I bet I could pass that biology test. So I went and got that, you know, biology for dummies book. And um I read that for, you know, a couple of weeks and I went and took that test. I guess 71 baby teaching. And uh so I barely passed that. So I was teaching biology for a couple of years. And then I taught a study skills class and I moved into some language arts and English. And then I was doing some um uh credit recovery stuff at a high school, trying to get kids caught up that missed a bunch of days. And then I finally finished my career teaching up for the last decade or so before I was doing this, is um I did PALS, which is a mentoring program. It's all high school kids. We go to elementary schools and mentor kids, and then also teen leadership. So I was doing leadership and uh, student council
0: stuff. Man, you, you you went across the whole gambit of things to try to get to there, man. That's crazy. Dude,
1: I can't even tell you, like, how many different classes I taught. I don't even know. It's, like, dozens. Because, you know, because, you know when, when you're, like, the kind of teacher I was, you teach a bunch of different little stuff, especially when I was teaching small schools because, man, you, like – it just because just you sign up to teach one thing, that ain't all you're teaching, brother. Oh, for sure. I taught like typing and Spanish and all that stuff. And, um, and, and you know, I don't speak Spanish, but, <laughs> but it was South Texas, man. They sure did. And um, it's like, man, it sounds good to me, kids. That's an a nay. And so, you know, I, uh, and then also K through 12 at some point in my 20-whatever years. So, yeah, man, it's like a full spectrum for sure.
0: Mm, that's that's crazy but like like for me when i went to texas like my so i was i was broadfield social studies so i took the broadfield social studies test but then i was at the middle school and my principal it was kind of like when they weren't sure if they were going to keep hiring she's like why don't you take the generalist test just in case you know if if something changes we can keep you on as a different content teacher and i took the generalist test and i had never english never done science never done math and i managed to pass it right yeah and that's crazy. It was always crazy to me that if I could have passed the physics test, even with no background, <laughs> I could have taught physics.
1: Dude, I had no idea what I was doing in biology. But here's the best part. Like, we killed it. My classes killed it because I had no idea. So it was a huge high school, and we, I think we had seven biology teachers. And so each teacher, every seven weeks, were in charge of like, that week's lessons and curriculum in the lab and everything. Dude, I have a bunch of kids in the storage, like the science storage room, trying to figure out what these, that's a beaker, I don't know, find a beaker, what's a beaker look like, look that up, man, hurry, (laughs) I have no, but between like me not knowing what to do, and all those kids helping out, like together, it's like our classroom family, we were awesome, Mm.
0: definitely non-traditional, but it worked, man. So before it was cool to really get kids involved and have a student-centered classroom, you were doing it by accident. <laughs> doing it by ignorance, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So, so with the work you're doing now, and this is kind of what we wanted to to bring you on to talk about. You know, you you were talking. You've been in over a hundred different schools. So hundreds for sure, yeah. Hundreds. So, could you talk a little bit? Because you mentioned before we were, got on the podcast that you love. The small town teacher—that's just like a gem yeah. that nobody knows about. And you were talking about how there's so many and they're all over. So, explain a little bit about that and and the best of what you've seen. In Dude, it's, let
1: me tell you something. The best of what I've seen—it's and, and 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 like I said, it is, it is everywhere. And you know, whether if I'm in a suburban district you know, just, you know, 10 miles outside of the downtown area, or if I'm in like an inner city or deep in some rural uh, community, man, it, there are, I, I'm telling you, there are the absolute best of the best educators everywhere, like secretly, like anonymously living this heroic life, making a difference in the lives of kids. Like, dude, they're, they're everywhere. And, and, and probably like the best of what I've seen over the recently, and it's, it, well. it's fresh on my mind, is after this thing, man, we had Hurricane Harvey. And um, that wreaked havoc on schools. People focus on Houston, but it's really outside of Houston, like along the Texas Gulf Coast. There are these, I mean, hundreds of these smaller communities and smaller districts that were just devastated by the effects of Harvey. I'm talking like six feet of water in their schools. And so to this day, we have schools that have combined schools, they're, they have three times as many kids as they used to have. They, we have schools meeting in strip centers, in churches, I mean, everywhere. And, and the best of the best of what I've seen lately is this. Those schools that have been devastated, have, they have made so much improvement academically with their kids. And it's, like, it's almost shocking because these, some of these schools were out for three weeks, some out for a month, and, they, and their scores still went up. They, they, they're doing ama- there's amazing achievement going on, and here's why. This is my theory. I've got a lot of theories. Most of them could be wrong. Here's my theory about why. Because nothing's going to improve. So they're in, you know, I've been in classrooms with 40 kids, 50 kids in a small classroom with large furniture. There's no, like kids have to climb over desks to get into their desk. Like once you're in, you're not leaving. There's no room to move. And, it, it, and listen, man, because of the hurricane, like technology isn't going to improve. They're not going to get additional space. Their are, uh, resources aren't coming. A copy machine is not coming. Books are not, nothing's coming this year. And so they had one thing and one thing only they could focus on. And that was people and, and the relationships between people. And when that became the only focus, cause it had to be like, that was our only choice, is That, that was the focus. That is when we saw just extraordinary teaching everywhere. In Viter, Texas, in uh, Orangefield, Texas, all these little towns, man. It's been beautiful.
0: Mm. See, and that's, you know, and, and I don't want to undermine like, you know, JJ Watts, a dude, like he's my dude, Wisconsin yep. guy. Like what he did was unbelievable with his platform, but you know, the fact that, that, that is happening. And we were talking a little bit prior about why it is, I mean, cause that's almost why we started this podcast. Cause that story is not one that everybody hears. It's really not one that anyone hears. I no. feel like until the teacher voice really is amplified to the point where like they realize that how many, like you said, anonymous heroes there are across the country. Cause I believe the overwhelming majority of teachers are killing it, like just doing the best they can for kids. Yeah. But you have this incredibly small minority, you know, like we were talking about with the student teacher relationships, or the, yep. the incident in Idaho earlier this year with the border wall. Like, I, I just believe that if you ask a person what the be, what the value of a teacher is, like a an individual person, they can tell you and they can appreciate a teacher, but people. Yeah on a whole, for whatever reason, you know, don't, don't get it. And I'm just wondering why you think that is. There's no way they could get it. There really
1: isn't. And you know, now that I'm old and angry (laughs) and tired, I I think they call that crotchety is um, do there. Like if you haven't, if you haven't seen the metamorphosis over the nine month period of having a class and kids that you love, there's no way you could understand the reality and of, of a teacher. You know, here's the thing. Like, even the people, like, if, if, if you're a teacher, the people that know you the best and love you the most, even they don't get it. Because there's no way they could get it. Because, like, my wife doesn't teach. Well, she knows of my students, but she doesn't love my students. So because of that, there's no way she could ever understand what it, what, what being in that classroom is really all about and, and having that crazy, just burning desire to be the most influential adult in the lives of those kids. Like that, like I, I, like that's what every teacher deep down want, like that, that's all, that's, that's what we sign up for is to be the one, to be the teacher that they talk about for the rest of their lives. And unless you do it, I just, man, I just don't think. There's any way you could really get it.
0: Hmm. But how how do you think though we bridge that gap though? So I yeah. guess maybe just that there's at least a semblance of the appropriate appreciation, not for teachers on a whole, but what individual teachers do on a daily basis and what we do for, but then again, you have to come like do you think there's a more valuable profession to our country and our society than teachers? Clearly
1: there's no way, none. There's no way that, that there is a profession that's more valuable. The leaders of tomorrow are sitting in our classrooms today. And there's, and the, and the only impact, the one thing that's really going to impact those leaders of tomorrow sitting in our classrooms today is that, is that adult who has accepted the honor and privilege to stand before them every day and lead that family. That right there again is one thing that no one's talking about. And in addition to that, I think it is almost to the point of you know, you know, looking at education and being a teacher as like a like a B list profession. Like that's the number one top of the A list profession. That's it. And then everything else falls under, in my mind, you know, it's the one profession that has taught the rest of the professions. Like, (laughs) it's like that alone, you know, let that in. So it's somehow, you know, a concerted effort. And I think it can only happen by teachers to bring that from the B list to the top of the A list in the mind of everybody else.
0: Mm. So in your travels and in the work you do, what, what kind of conversations are teachers having? Yeah, dude. Here, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. That is, um,
1: so this is one. This is this is part of my work, man. This is what I do. So, a big part of my work is showing up on campus and really shifting school culture in such a way that it has a dramatic, significant, and sustainable impact. And one of the and one key to that is the conversation that teachers are having regularly, because the typical conversation, and there's a lot of reasons for this, if between teachers is, is pretty negative. So there's a lot of, um, oh, this is so hard. And here's why, like the main reason is why, because no one in your life understands, like you can't go home and tell your spouse if they don't teach, you can't tell them how hard it is. They'll say, oh, I'm sorry, but they don't get it. You know what I mean? So you have to tell, you have to process it by telling somebody who understands it and can be compassionate. Right. So, Oh. oh, my kids today are so terrible. They're just out of control. I'm, Oh, fed up with it. And then that compassionate teacher, their typical response will be, Oh, I know. Come here. It is. So you're right. These kids, Oh my God, here, let me give you a hug. Here's a donut, you know, where they but that is the most toxic empathy on a, that's what I call it. It's some, it is toxic empathy because what's happening now, now, though, now, now we're in that spiral of negativity. And now here we go rather than bringing that teacher, having the skills to bring that teacher back to the reality, which is, Oh my God, this is so hard. These kids are so challenging. What if the teacher on the receiving end is like, Hey, specifically, which kid are you talking about? Mm. Oh yeah. Him. Of course. Well, have you met his mom? She was up here the other day. Did you meet her? Have you been to his apartment? Have you seen what goes on? Once you get inside the gates of that apartment, you know what, man, I think maybe he's doing exceptionally well. Based on everything he has going on outside of this school, which is the truth, rather than oh my god, these kids today.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wilkie, uh, who normally does a podcast with me, he had a conversation with a teacher. A teacher at his school said all these kids can just go jump off a bridge. Yeah, man. And he was like, "Which kids do you mean?" Because his daughter happens to be in one of those classes. Yeah, and he like made the teacher cry. And he wanted to console her, but he didn't. He was like, you need to feel that. I mean, because I think that's one of the, the hardest lessons I had to learn is to stop saying they, them, these. It's so much harder when you say Billy, Susie, Johnny, Janelle, whoever yeah. is this. When you have to call it out by name or call that person by their name, it, you know, it, like, it really humanizes them rather than being able to make a blanket statement of they.
1: Yeah. In addition to that, man, I think, um, what I teach, one of the things we role play and do and talk about and make it a consistent part of the culture is to having positive conversations, like initiating positive conversations. And, and, and here's why, you know, and, and it's really, it is someone we have to own it and take responsibility for it, but there's this thing called neuroplasticity and what it is like the thoughts that you have creates inroads and, you know, lines things up in your brain like neurological pathways and the more you have those thoughts the easier those thoughts become well in this country that what we have because of the internet and a political situation what's on tv is constant negativity whether it's you know crazy real life housewives and kardashians and fox versus cnn and all you know all that stuff that goes on it's constant negativity which now it's way easier for us to find because of that, so we're, that's the way we're we're bombarded with that kind of stimulation, so we have to force ourselves to have positive conversations. You know, I was just said a school one thing that they do now is uh, in the hallway. There's a predetermined time each day that teachers will come together in the hallway and have a positive conversation about kids in our classroom. So it might be like. Right after third period ends, these four teachers from those four classrooms come together in the hallway and they have one minute. So each teacher has 15 seconds to say something exceptionally awesome about a kid that's going on in their class right now. And they do it in the hallway out loud so kids can hear them talking about kids in a positive, awesome way. And then also, man, that just, it changes everything about the dynamics and, 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 and who they are in that moment so they can serve their kids more effectively and more passionately.
0: So so to that point, another thing you're real big on is is school leadership. So how 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 does school leadership affect a practice like that? You know, because you yeah. talk big about school culture, because a school that does that has a really positive, really good school culture. So yeah. you know what's kind of that relationship between school culture and school leadership? All right, man, this is um
1: this is where things get heavy. So yes, you can have that charismatic leader come in like super effective and she comes in and she is amazing. And like this whirlwind of energy and everybody's up and pumped and fired up. And, and then when you talk to teachers, it's like, man, like, what's up with her? And, and you know, you'll say like, Hey, tell me about your school. And I'll say, Oh my God, we have the best principal. She's amazing. She's awesome. Or you could have like some initiative like PBIS or something comes in and you can see a little shift and people get fired up for that. But what I have found, man, is in those, those are like average to really good schools, but the is between exceptional, like, like great schools, the outliers, is it's beyond the leader, it's beyond an initiative, and what it is, here's the difference, man, it's on those campuses, I find that every single person on that campus, in every position, truly believes that they are individually responsible for the quality of the culture on their campus. I'm telling you, man, there's campuses where the janitor, I've been, well, I was just at a school, janitor got teacher of the year. They voted and the janitor won. Oh, that's awesome. He truly believes it's his job alone to impact school culture but so does the librarian. So does the, you know, language arts teacher. So does the cafeteria lady. Everybody does. And that's the difference when there's that shift and everybody can take responsibility and own it, man, that is when amazing things happen.
0: But you're not, you're not, that's not accountability. That's on a checklist, right? That's, that's some intrinsic stuff, right? Not like I check off these things to say that I'm doing my job. Right. That it's a whole, it's, it's a whole nother level. So, how in, in the schools that you've seen that foster that kind of culture, like what are, what are some of the disciplines? What are some of the things, the structures, things that, that they put in place that other schools or other teachers can put in place? I mean, because it's not magic. There are some concrete things that those people do that make them successful.
1: You know, I, I, here's the thing it, it is, it, there are concrete things, but when you watch it and look at it, it, it seems all natural. Like it seems completely natural. You know, here's like, here's a perfect example. I'm thinking about a school where you can go into school and there are teachers in the hallway everywhere, like greeting kids at the door, high-fiving kids, talking to kids everywhere you get right. Well, that if, if they had a position open and you applied and you got the job, you would do that just because everybody's doing that. Like you wouldn't hide. It would be a social outcast to stay in your room man, while everybody else is out there greeting kids. So, but but to be able to identify there—that's something that's very different. It doesn't—it's hard to notice because it's happening everywhere, and it's the culture is immersed in that. But like, but you can you can initiate that. So I have this thing that when when I go to schools, one of the things we focus on is this thing called ten by ten by ten. And what we do is we ask every adult of influence, which is every adult on campus. Because, you know, we, we want to help every person on campus understand that, yeah, man, we all have a different job title, but we all have the same role. Everybody on this campus, the reason you have a job is to make a difference in the lives of kids. That's your role. Your title doesn't matter. And 10 by 10 by 10, we ask every adult on campus to meet with 10 kids for 10 positive seconds before 10 a.m. Now, for classroom teachers, they're not your kids. You're, you're already with your kids all day. We're talking about other kids in the hallway, kids that are not in your class, not yet, or kids you had in your class last year or whoever's in the, it doesn't matter. Meet with 10 kids for 10 positive seconds before 10 a.m. And that like that one tiny thing alone shifts everything.
0: I mean, and that's as simple as like a head nod when you see them in the hallway or a high five or exactly that kind of stuff
1: exactly dude and here's the other thing man like this this stuff happens regularly like in elementary campuses because like apparently in elementary you're supposed to talk to kids in a hall <laughs> but at the high school i can't tell you how many t- school i'll be at a school and i see like three teachers talking and walking and like a kid walks by and not one person says a word but wait that was an opportunity that was a huge opportunity that we missed that that, that kid missed Because we just, we we don't, because that's just not a part, and they're not bad teachers. It's just not, they're in a culture where that, 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 like, they would be the outcast to talk to a kid in the hall.
0: You know, and the crazy thing about that, too, that we've been talking about a ton is there is always another kid that saw those teachers miss that chance. Yep. So it's not just that one kid who's negatively affected. Yeah, negatively affected, by. I mean, because if you don't take an opportunity, it's going to have a negative impact.
1: And you know even I mean, you could run that as deep as you want. There is a first-year teacher in the hallway across and notices out her window that a kid walked past three teachers and not one teacher said to work, and a first-year teacher just absorbed that into his or her subconscious well that's what, that's what you do. So, So our kid, how, do you spend a lot of time with kids? Yeah, so um, I do a couple of things, man. I do professional development for educators, We I have this uh, event called "Teaching a Rockstar." And teachers come out to events I host in hotels and conferences. And then also I go to individual schools and school districts and uh, spend the day. And, of course, all that back-to-school convocation stuff and all, I guess all that. And then um, I have another uh, event I do called Be The One. And that is where I show up on campus. And, like I said, man, we really try to shift the feel and the culture and the vibe of that school in a single day. And the way we do that is working with the most influential personalities on campus. And so I spent during a typical school day and we schedule it. So we don't interrupt instruction while I'm there is like, but but we meet super early in the morning. We stay late is, I meet with teachers. I meet with administrators, uh, leadership teams. And then a bulk of that time is spent um, with kids and what we do is we pick what we what they feel are some of the most influential alpha type personalities on campus because like i said man like we we could have this powerful charismatic individual leader show up and impact culture but where it happens immediately and dramatically and sustainably is when it's led by
0: kids and teachers yeah I, I mean, like, I, there's not. Ma-
1: Dude, there's 10 times as many kids on a campus than our are adults. Right. And so, and, and so we, there's ten, get, ugh, 10 times the humanity of kids rather than adults. How many kids are in a faculty meeting? None. That's a little nuts to me. How many kids are on a campus improvement team? None. That's a little bizarre to me. Like, I really think that we need to involve those kids on on just about every, um, decision-making that, I mean, in every opportunity that we can get when it's appropriate, of course.
0: So, so with the kids and with what you've seen now, the kids, what, what do we need to continue to become as teachers, you know, not so much on the pedagogy side, but on the, on the personal side, what do we got to start becoming to really be those kind of teachers that are influencing culture? And, you know,
1: that, that's such a huge, I mean, that, that's like the art of teaching, right? Because that's the funniest thing about teaching. Like there's me and my shenanigans that I try to do to keep everybody entertained and engaged. But you can go next door and see some 40-year-old, I mean, like a 40-year veteran, like a 65-year-old teacher next door with that that can raise your left eyebrow and point at a kid and still have the same kind of impact. It took me to do like a backflip off the desk. You know what I mean? So like everybody has their own style, but for me, the one thing that needs to be there is that is the understanding from that teacher that they have to be the model of what they want for their kids. And they have to do that and they have to be the, the most authentic and honest person in front of their kids every day because you know like the the kids just don't this is a generation that really they don't have heroes like they don't like that doesn't exist like when i was in school we did like a book report on your hero or something you pick a musician and the reason that we had heroes back then is because we didn't know the truth about these people kids today know the truth because it's on the news and if you think about like the fall from grace of the most respected people on the planet man And like the the people that were most respected, whether it was a president or it was Lance Armstrong or Tiger Woods or Alex Rodriguez or some governor or some church leader. and, And they see what ended up with that in the news. So that's why these kids don't have heroes. So there's one person that they need. It's you. It's the teacher who lives their life so completely, honestly and authentically being a model so kids can see what it looks like. Like they have to see it so they can be it.
0: So I'm going to show it so I can grow it in that kid. For sure. So I'm also interested to, I mean, as we kind of start to wrap up here, because I know I want to be respectful of your time. So we talked a little bit about your social media and that stuff that you do online. Yeah. Um, But then you also do a lot of the live stuff. So how, how do you see the benefits? Like what are the benefits of each I guess, different variation of, of the work you do on social media versus the live events and, but how do they kind of work together as well?
1: Sure, man. I like, you know, obviously I love the live event that that's my thing.
0: And I, mm-hmm. and I
1: love it. And, um, but I'm also self-aware enough. Like I believe it's effective and I love it, but I'm pro, and I think I'm good at it, but I probably like, I probably believe all that stuff cause I like it you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? So whether it's true, I don't know, but I re I do think the live event for me is critical because I think it's important for teachers to see what passion looks like and, and to see what complete emotional vulnerability looks like. And so when I do my show or, you know, my, I I call it a show Mm -hmm. when I do my professional development workshop, I mean, I need, they need to see what I'm talking about, a model of what teaching looks like, which for me is completely emotionally vulnerable, absolutely passionate, totally consumed in the moment. Like every cell of my being is obsessed with the moment that we have right now together. And I think a live setting is really the only way that you can feel that in the room and convey it to a group of people. Online, you know what, brother, I'm just trying to put the good stuff out there. Like, I am, trying to, I am trying to put fuel out there for people to have. I do these morning quotes every morning on Facebook. Um, I make videos right and left. I, I do the podcast. I interview teachers. I interview people on the street about their favorite teacher they ever had to help teachers understand, look, man, this dude is 65. He still remembers his first grade teacher. You know, so, so for me, what my role, I believe online is putting is creating great positive content that fuels and inspires teachers to be the type of teacher they signed up to be.
0: Mm. So, and just for the people who, who may not know who you are or want to catch up with you after this, where, where can they find you online?
1: Yeah, man, I'm all over um, Facebook and um, Twitter and Instagram. It's all Hal Bowman. So at, Hal Bowman, H A L B O W M A N, also at halbowman.com.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, as we wrap up here, because like I said, it's Friday, uh, we definitely want to be respectful of your time. So, um, if there was one thing you think all kids should be taught, what would it be?
1: One thing. Oh, man. You know what, man? I think um, here's the thing that comes to my mind first is I, the, the one thing I want teachers to teach all kids is whatever that teacher is passionate about the most in their life. You know, for me, that's what great teaching is, somehow using the content of your classroom, using the curriculum, the content that we're, we're, we're delivering to kids, how to use that as the vehicle to teach the lesson you want to last in that kid for the rest of his life. So, you know, you could call it biology, you can call it science. And I'll teach science, but I'm going to use teaching of science as the vehicle to teach whatever I'm passionate about. You know, it might be courage. It, it might be confidence. It might be love. It might be respect. I don't know what that is, because I do know this, when kids are sitting around at the 30th high school reunion talking about their wacky teachers, there's a not, not one of my science kids is going to mention the periodic table. None of them. They won't talk about covalent bonds. They're not, they're not gonna remember any of that stuff. But what they will talk about, I hope, is the family that we had in that classroom, the fun we had together, the, who, who we became as a result of that class. And hopefully, it's what they are going to instill in their kids as that generation moves forward. Mm-hmm. That, that, let me tell let me, all right, let me just, let me, here's like one other thing is this. Like, that is for a teacher to really identify what they're passionate about, like, what, whatever the ultimate lesson is. Like, that, that's their what, right? What I really want this kid to have as a part of who they are. But in addition to that, if I, for every kid, you know, I think it's just a, for a kid to experience the feeling of being loved relentlessly. Like, no matter what, man, no one gave up on that kid. Like, a teacher never gave up on that kid. And, for kid, for, and like, for that kid to feel that, day after day because that instills like a a feeling that they're worthy of love and that they can love other people hopefully especially their kids when they they get married and have kids and become our
0: leaders Hmm. so if you were going to give you know because this this episode is going to go out right after the new year if you were going to give teachers um, a piece of advice to really get on track back on track improve the track they're on for the remainder of the school year what would it be Mm,
1: you know, I think, hey, man, you know what? I'll tell you what, one thing great to keep in mind is this. I think often we think, so, we, we think it has to be this monumental first day moment to really shift how we do things. In fact, that can happen on a Tuesday of any week of the school year. Like, kids are that resilient. Like, you know, we, we could change everything and say, okay, here's how this goes down today. I've done it, man. I felt like when, when my classes got a little bit out of control. I feel like we're, we're losing traction. I feel like we're losing a connection between our, our, our classroom family. We don't, we don't meet in a class. We'll sit right there in the hallway or we'll meet in the cafeteria, the commons, wherever, and talk about what's happening because we have to like earn the right to get back in that classroom together. You know, so it's like that alone, just believing and knowing that you can change whatever you want on any day and the kids will be fine if you're consistent after that. But also, man, keeping in mind that it really is, you know, like, if I want to make a difference in the lives of my kids academically, emotionally, personally, then, like, I, I need to do something different. And, like, and like that, that's like a scalable thing. Like, if I want to make a little bit of a difference, I just need to be a little bit different if I want to make a monumental difference in this kid's life, man, I've got to be monumentally different. And how can I do this? How can I do this class in such a way that it's different than anything else they're experiencing in this school? Mm. Those are the types of thoughts. Cause like, what could a teacher do? I like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know where where that teacher is, you know, specifically everyone's different and their style is completely different than mine. But those are a couple of concepts that I think are really important for starting the year.
0: All right. So final question down the road, yeah. we'll hopefully say it's 40, 50, 60, a hundred years down the road, depending upon what science does. Um, when it's all said and done, what do you hope your legacy is at the end? Legacy, you know,
1: dude, I think about this a lot, probably more than I should. And, and it changes, you know, I think, um, and I think that's an okay thing. You know, this is a, this is a journey. And um, and with how society changes, and I change, and the world grows, and I grow personally, professionally, I think it's okay to have like to shift that thought of what my legacy might be, or my mission, or any of those, you know, our purpose. But I think for me right now, where I'm at is, I really hope that I'm doing a, a really good job at providing teachers with some information and tools, and really more so, um, just the permission to be the teacher that they've always wanted to be, you know, like every teacher had that moment where they, they think, man, you know what? I want to be the one that kid thinks about, like, I want, I want to have that kind of influence Or so the kid is talking about me when their eight-year-old gets in trouble. I want them talking about me. What I would say, I think, think deep down inside, man, like we all want that. hmm and it, I think for me, it it's really is, is giving teachers permission to teach their class in such a way that it's okay to want to be that and provide them information and tools and some inspiration and motivation along the way to help them achieve that.
0: Mm. Perfect, man. Well, hey, I appreciate the time and, and I, I sincerely hope that this is, this is a relationship we, keep, we can keep going and hopefully sometime not too far down the road, we can uh, connect with you in person. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I'm not sure next time I'm getting up to Wisconsin. Well, I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll be in Texas for sure. Two or three times this year. Uh, cool. Bring it down, man. We'll hang out. All right, buddy. Well, Hal Bowman, Appreciate your time, man. Thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Hey, let me tell you something. Also, dude, I, I um, when you guys contacted me, I checked out your stuff and it's great, dude, you guys are, you guys are providing such great content and information. And, um, and here's i'm gonna give you a little plug man here's what i love about what you guys do is is i is um i always think back how can i is there a metaphor in my profession that i think would be um appropriate and here's and here it is when i was listening to you guys i thought you know what like how this applies to my profession is there were times i thought i was really good but it was only because i didn't know better like you can't do better until you know better and like when i Young band director, I thought I was awesome until I went and heard another band. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like I didn't know that they could sound like that. Or like when I thought I was a great pals teacher, and then I went and watched, you know, Chris Kobel at Sci Fair teach his pals. Like, oh my, I am terrible. I thought I was good until this moment. And what I think you guys are do a great job is providing information to teachers and letting them hear experiences which is critical man of other teachers so that 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 way they just know more information and they can bring more to their
0: kids so the the, the the stuff that you guys provide is invaluable man we super appreciate that super appreciate man thank you so much absolutely
1: brother